Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, believe it by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Delicious things to eat. The popcorn can't be beat. The sparkling drinks are just dandy. The chocolate bars and the candy. So let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Let's all go to the lobby for the concession stand with your host, J.W. Caldwell. Yes, welcome to the concession stand. It is a big week. Um, it just more exciting than can be spoken for words. Uh, the last time we had a podcast, we, we talked about Batman versus Superman. And uh, this week we're, we're doing a podcast, a big podcast. It's the Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast. And I, I can't tell you how excited I am. We're going to have all kinds of great guests today. Uh, Rich Drees is going to join us from Film Buff Online again. Uh, and we're actually welcoming a new guest, uh, Alan Berkavich from Real Speak Blog. Uh, it's an incredible blog. If you, haven't, if you don't read it, you should check it out. Um, but they're going to be joining us. We're going to go over uh, the Marvel Cinematic Universe in its entirety. What they've gotten right, what they've gotten wrong. Um, the best five movies uh, of the bunch. Like, what are the, the top five for the Marvel Cinematic Universe? Whether or not that top five is going to get altered this week when, Mar- when Captain America Civil War opens is another question. Uh, we do have to start the show kind of on a down note. Because um, Marvel, the Marvel Cinematic Universe is being celebrated on our show today. Uh, Marvel's rival DC is not being celebrated, and they're kind of in a they're in a tailspin. They're in a uh, a bit of a, a quagmire. Uh, Batman vs Superman is gonna gonna peter out at about eight hundred and sixty million dollars, give or take, um, which is not the one billion dollars it desperately needed to justify its existence, and also, you know, not the billion dollar movie that Warner Brothers execs had hoped, considering putting together the two biggest comic book stars on the planet uh, should have aligned a little bit better for them. Um, but there's nothing but chaos. Um, the, you know, the Flash has lost its director. Uh, you know, James Wan is worried about Aquaman directing that portion of the, of the DC Cinematic Universe. And news this week is that Zack Snyder and Warner Brothers are butting heads about what and how they're going to make uh, the Justice League a viable franchise. Now, this isn't good news because Justice League's already started filming. So, and Warner Brothers kind of had their hands tied. They couldn't get into a war with Zack Snyder um, during the Batman vs. Superman press, and they, they have Justice League right on the heels of it starting to film. So they're kind of in a bad spot. They couldn't justify getting rid of him at that point without affecting the box office in a little bit. But at this point, it, it's the kind of question where they should have just bit the bullet and taken the hit on it. Uh, but they've also lost the director of the Flash movie. Uh, Seth Graham is gone from the Flash. So where where this DC universe is going to go is anybody's guess at best. 
Um, and it's just, it's the saddest thing in the world to watch. We're going to talk a little bit about it with the guys that are coming up. Um, again, but we're going to go over Marvel Cinematic Universe, and it should be achieved. What's What's been achieved with this series of films, Phase 1, Phase 2, and now starting Phase 3 this week with Captain America Civil War. And it's just, it is an incredible achievement to have this many movies being released within a franchise and have them do so well and be so good uh, for the most part. I mean, and because uh, we were talking about it, we were thinking about doing for the show the top five and the bottom three. And somebody made mention that even the worst of the Marvel films are still better than a lot of the movies we get. Um, very similar to what I, I used to say about Star Wars, is that even a bad Star Wars film is better than most of the stuff we get out of Hollywood. So they're, you know, on a, they're on a big, huge run. They're going to do well, and I'm gonna we're going to bring on Rich and and Rich Trees and Alan to talk about it. And at this point, I'd like to welcome them in. Rich, Alan, how are we doing today? Okay, and we're recording. Uh, gentlemen, welcome Rich Trees, Alan Brokavich. Did I get it right? I got it right. Close. I'm trying to get it right. Brokavich. Brokavich. There we go. It's it's a it's a it's an old name from the from the new country. You know what I mean? Um, gentlemen, uh, Alan, you're uh, with I I put it forth. You're with Real Speak Blog, right? That's where that's where the people can find you. Yes, the name of my blog is realspeak.blogspot.com. And that is reels, felt like a film, film reel. Yeah, like the reels we all love. And Rich, I, I I know where you're from. Film Buff Online is where everybody can find your your stuff. Correct. Correct. Ah, awesome. So, um, I, I I think the best thing about Marvel, and we should all begin with this, they're getting a lot of stuff right. And I think what I would ask you guys, how you feel about it. I think the most important thing with this Marvel run, this cinematic run, and we're, you know, we're talking film history here. We're phase one, phase two. I think the most important thing that they've gotten right is the casting. I think the casting, um, and watching Iron Man again this week uh, in the lead up to Civil War, uh, Captain America Civil War, I don't know that they got any luckier than a down-on-his-luck Robert Downey Jr. Um, was having a bad time before this happened. Uh, they got him cheap, and he jumped into the role of Tony Stark, and then uh, the rest is history. Wouldn't you? Would you agree? I agree, and the casting is always very, very important when you're talking about superhero movies because you know, contrary to popular belief, superhero movies are not made just for people who have read comics their entire lives. You have to get the general public into the door because that's where the real money is. You've got to get everyone else in there. So yes, you have to get your superheroes right, but you've got to have some stars in the center of it if you want to get everyone else in there. With the first Iron Man, I mean, they went flying right out of the gate already because when you look at the cast list of that movie, it read like the the lineup at the Oscars. You had Robert Downey Jr., Jeff Bridges, Terrence Howard, Gwyneth Paltrow. But right away, you have an instant draw. And... Right off the bat, they're making a comic book character which at the time had nowhere near the popularity of a Batman or Superman suddenly become a household name. And the casting goes a long way in, in doing that. And I, I, I think that's I would, that's a good point. What were you going to say, Rich? I would go one step further, actually, and say 
you had a great chief component. And uh, Robert Downey Jr., even if he's been cast, say, three years earlier, when Universal still held, well, Universal still held the rights to, um, to Iron Man, either Universal or Columbia, I'm suddenly uh, yeah. getting confused here. But anyway, you know, even if they had cast him at the time, it would have been a good movie. I think you really kind of got to take that step back and go, Kevin Feige, the guy you know in charge at Marvel, who came up with the plan to... Well, and that's... I think that's... that's I know we're going to get there, but... Yeah. Yeah, he he more than anything else is... Well, I think that's that's an interesting... That's a great point. Fahey is a a great point, because he's right off the the bat, he's he's empire-building. And and even, like, in watching Iron Man, you know, in watching it again this week, how quaint that at the end of the teaser credits which we really haven't used or done since Ferris Bueller's Day Off, uh, that, you know, all of a sudden, this teaser, this stinger, right, which at the time, everybody's like, oh my God, what, holy shit, what's going to happen there? Like, holy shit, Samuel Jackson standing in his house, this is ridiculous. The Avenger Initiative, oh my, and now it's a trademark. It was a really bold and right away it screamed confidence, and they never looked back from that. Yeah, you know and what? I'm he... sure both of you guys do realize that tonight as we record this, on May 2nd, this is the 8th anniversary of the release of Iron Man. Why do you think we're recording tonight, Rich? Right now, people were going berserk. Yeah, right right now. Yeah, no, no. Why, why do you think we're recording this? I was I was going through that the share function on Facebook, and... More stuff comes up about Marvel stuff in my first week of May share on Facebook than than any other thing. And, like, uh, you know, I think Marvel's it, the real interesting thing is not only is it probably the biggest franchise going right now, aside from Star Wars, we're all three Star Wars fans, so you know how I feel about that. Um, but they've also taken over May. They, they've completely, it's, it used to be, you know, it used to be everything was important, and now May belongs to Marvel. They dominate, they have it, they're ready to go. And every May, like clockwork, we have a major blockbuster that's just waiting to happen. And that that goes back to Fahey, like you were saying. Uh, there's a plan. The the teaser, the stinger screams confidence. And then they, they started, you know, you know every now it become, it's become a trademark. And, and actually it's become so much of a trademark that when it doesn't happen in other movies, people get pissed. People get angry. We've been, we've been... <laughs> I think that's one of my favorite things in the entire world is when people sit at the end of a Star Wars movie or sit at the end of, you know, Batman vs. Superman or, and they were angry. They were visibly angry. You know what I mean? Like, um... I remember seeing the second G.I. Joe movie and the credits start rolling and everybody's just kind of sitting there and we're all looking at each other and I think we were all thinking the same thing and then the credits end and the lights come up and everybody just kind of got this and we had and we have we were we were bitches from the get-go you know what i mean so it it's an interesting place um so they got the well, cast I don't, I don't have well i don't have much to say about the gi joe movie um, ever <laughs> so i've kind of i've kind of blocked that experience from my mind but uh good, good, you, good <laughs> Arabia or Citizen Kane or the like, 
But the thing about them is they have such a great appeal to everyone. Uh, my, my parents are in their 70s, and they have seen every Marvel movie in the theater so far. And I know they're planning on going to see Civil War. And I think that really speaks... It's volumes. It speaks I mean, volumes. If, There's are, a... if, you, if you just if you look past the superhero and comic book thing, these are pure adventure movies that are done very much in the spirit of... Star Wars and Indiana Jones. And, and, and the I serial movies. And the serial movies from the 50s and 60s. There, there is a, there is a, um, an added craft to the Marvel movies that isn't present in a lot of stuff we get. And right now we're in like the golden age of nerd cinema right now. And Marvel's craft, the craft that's go, that goes into the movies, the, you know, the casting, the, the scripts, the intricate storylines that, you know, at some points do annoy people. I mean, I, I don't know, I don't know how, how much we are going to talk about that a little bit, but, um, I would say that the craft is what makes, I think sets them apart from anything else going right now. And you're right. I think everybody, I think everybody goes in, like my wife will go see Captain America. She doesn't necessarily need to see Deadpool or didn't want to go see Batman versus Superman. It didn't appeal to her at all, but she's invested in the cap. And like, she's invested in the Avengers. Um, so it's a it's a weird thing. It's across all all stripes too. Like kids, young and old, you know, everybody goes, man. Whether and and that's an incredible achievement, um, you know, and especially people who gave me crap in high school for reading comics are now reaching out to me on Facebook with questions about what what's going on. Why would Captain Iron Man be fighting? Where did this story come from? All sorts of stuff like that. So. It does kind of validate us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it, it validates us being uh, antisocial. Yes, I, I agree with that. Total wholeheartedly. Um, the nerds have, the nerds have won. Well, no, they re we really have it, and it's like Nerdvana right now. I mean, you got Star Wars up and running, Marvel's up and running. We're you know we're in phase phase three. I mean, we're if you had said at, when when they started talking about phase one, I mean phase. Phase one was Iron Man, the Hulk, Iron Man two, Thor, Captain America, the first, the first Avenger, and then the Avengers, right? And then, mm -hmm. and then they lay out the next. You're like Phase two. You're like, well, it can't, it can't possibly go. Like Phase one was pretty impressive. I mean, you know, these people are going to start running out of contracts, which I actually believe is the only thing that can hold them back at some point in the future. Are are these contracts? Although. Robert Downey Jr. seems to be having so much fun that he doesn't even care that he's only making $25 million to show up in Spider-Man Homecoming. You know what I mean? Like, crazy. Um, hey, well, that's actually a good point. That's actually a good point. I think you really you really have to have all the original guys carry the whole torch all the way through to at least the very end of Phase 3. And, and yes, it looks like Robert Downey Jr. is having a time, time of his life, but if you look at some of these videos of the entire cast at the at the premieres and the, the outreach that they do to fans and these different events. I mean it looks like everyone is having the absolute time of their lives doing this and I don't think I really don't think that's an act either. Wait, do you mean Alan yeah. you mean Alan you should be having fun and it should be exciting to be a superhero? I I don't know. You you could get a job somewhere in Burbank, I think, at this point. You know what I'm saying? Like Right. I, 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 and I think good actors for the role. They cast good actors who are also necessary for the characters and for the franchise. 
Yeah, you know what? I, I agree. Chris Pratt showing up at children's hospitals or Robert Downey Jr. holding some kind of sleepover thing with a bunch of kids. You know, all stuff like that. And it's just like, that's what it's really about. You know, not just making the movies and taking the paycheck, but really creating magic moments for a lot of people. What well, and that's awesome. that is absolutely true. And the the magic right, moment right. for for filmgoers is has been extraordinary. I I don't know that we've had. I mean, aside from Bond and Star Wars and you know, this kind of longevity with regards to a, a single franchise and doing it so quickly. I mean, Phase Two jumped right in. Iron Man Three, then Thor: The Dark World, uh, Captain America: Winter Soldier, Guardians of the Galaxy. Age of Ultron, and then Ant-Man, they're doing stuff with characters, like, I, I find it amazing they're doing stuff with characters, lesser characters. And in many cases, the lesser characters are turning out to be cinematic giants. Would, would you agree with that? When I do puns, Rich, I, I do them well. I, I'm just saying. Well, it could be. I don't. I um. I, I know. All I've seen him is flying on an arrow at this point. Um, but uh, like I no, said, but, I, but to your point, to your point, I agree. They have somehow magically made some of their most obscure characters that I honestly had never even heard of until two or three years ago. That they made these little obscure characters become household names. And well, again, I'm talking about that broad appeal that they've made. Well, in Gu Guardians of the Galaxy is is the is the one where you go, who, what, when, where, why, <laughs> how, how did a movie with a talking raccoon gross close to a billion dollars? <laughs> like how? And and you just go okay, and and then you realize it it has very little to do with the talking raccoon. It's just the movie's really good. It's really well done, and it's fun to watch and. And you have a blast with it, and you sit back, and it's it's a it's an adventure yarn. The word I want to use is yarn, Alan. I think that's the word you were thinking of. Uh, they're yarns, you know what I mean? They're like these yeah. old school fifties destry rides again. You know, <laughs> it, it, they'd be westerns, uh, you know, if they were the fifties and sixties. You know what I mean? Um, but they, if, you, if you break them down a little bit, these would be the type of tales that you tell sitting around the campfire. I, no, I, I, I agree. Let me tell you a story about this kid who was, whose mother died and he was kidnapped by pirates and he never returned to his home again. I mean, that's that's <laughs> Guardians right there. Yeah, you know, and no, I agree. It's classic story time. I agree, and it's uh, it, it gets back to a little bit of uh, an old anecdote that Spielberg used to tell um, when he, you know, he used to hang around in the Universal lot and he, he used to talk to people and he, he really just wanted, he told the one producer at one point, all I want to be is the kid in in the cave making the paintings on the wall, and that that's what Marvel's become right now. Marvel is like is has become this uh, behemoth of storytelling, and it, it's not without its criticisms, of course. But we're getting into phase three now. Are, are you are, do you guys have any concerns? Or are you? I I know we have friends, Alan, that. And I know Rich has friends too that, that talk like this, but I know Thank some you. of them have have. Well, no, I didn't. I didn't mean it like that, Rich. You have friends. I, I think it's fairly obvious you have friends. Um, I oh, God, I'm a bad host. But anyway, what I was going to say is, is there? Do you are you guys at all concerned? Because I know one of the major criticisms 
is can you see one movie without seeing all of them or why do they always tie in or i know some people for me the tying in has always been a, a benefit is it a negative is it something where you go you can never you can never get too in depth on on the ties well, well, I think the idea is that you can't enjoy in an Avengers movie. Um, I don't know. Let's let me restart here. There's there's an old school of thought out there that says you shouldn't have to watch a Thor movie in order to understand what happened in Avengers and and so on. And I just think Marvel has completely rewritten the rule book on that. That is an old way of thinking. And the way I look at this cinematic universe now, and it, I admit it took me probably until after Avengers before it finally hit me, I just look at all, all of these Marvel movies as sequels to one another. Yeah, even the ones that you are... Know, Iron, Iron, Man, Iron Man 3 is as much a sequel to Avengers as the second Thor movie is. As, as is Captain America. As, as a series. It's not too unlike Star Wars or Harry Potter. It's just all sequels to each other. Uh, that's. I think Harry Potter is a great way to look at it. Rich, what do you think? Is there is there a danger of it in folding in on itself, or do you think that they've they're they're? I, I actually look at like something like Ant Man last year, where they're. I think they're just churning stuff out now, and acting like, I, yeah, we can do that. We can do a comedy. I can. Yeah, I can do. Yeah, I can do a sci fi movie. Yeah, I can do a, a mystical adventure set. You know, in Tibet. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like. Are, are, is there danger of it folding uh, on itself? There is that danger. I think so far we've seen Marvel walk a pretty tight line on not letting that happen. Um, and, that, and as you were just saying, they kind of lend themselves to various sub-genres of film. They're not all comic book adaptions. Um the last Captain America was also a, um, you know, a political thriller in a way. A, you know, an astounding like, political, seven, like a seventies movie, yeah. Yeah, um, Guardians of the Galaxy is just grand space opera. Um, Ant Man, a fun heist film, a heist comedy film. Um, I think actually the real, the, the, the probably the, the film that's in most danger of imploding that we're seeing right now is Civil War. It had the biggest, you know, because it's pulling so much from the last Avengers film plus a few other places and it, you know, everybody said when it was first announced, oh, it just looks like Avengers, Avengers 2.5. But can it still maintain its identity as a Captain America film with this very large cast of characters um, and everything? And according to early reviews, it does. See, I, I'm, I'm viewing, I'm viewing civil. Like a what, a ninety-five on Rotten Yeah, it's it's ridiculous. It's astounding. Warner Brothers would Warner Brothers would kill somebody to get the numbers. Uh, what I'm, what I'm viewing Civil War as, and and correct me if I'm wrong or what, what you guys think. I'm viewing Civil War as a test run because we we're about we're two years away from Infinity War, which is their big Phase Three. Part one, part two, huge, and the Marvel Universe series, I guess, is the way they're going to go. And I think it's a test run. How many how many characters can we can we get into this movie and keep everything afloat so that when the time comes, when we really have a bunch of characters and we're really going to really test the boundaries, 
we can go back and go, hey, it worked here in Civil War. You know, we gave, you know, Scarlet, you know, Scarlet Witch didn't have a ton to do, but she had, a, you know, she had a piece. And I, I think it's a test run. I think they, I think the yeah, room... I, I'm totally, I'm totally on board with that way of thinking. Um, because, yeah, my only real concern moving forward, especially with Infinity War, I mean, we're hearing rumors that there's going to be like 65 characters on the screen, like all at one, all at one time. And uh, you know, the only the only fear that I have with that is that the movie will become too much spectacle, and there's no real human elements. Like you lose you lose a personal story because every one of these Marvel movies we've seen so far, no matter no matter how big the spectacle got, they never lost that human element. Well, that's anymore being that big. Well, that's my only real concern. Well, you've, you've got the Russo brothers directing Civil War, and they're the ones who are going to be in charge of Infinity War as well. So I think, right, you know, as much as J.W. is saying that the Civil War is proof of concept that you can do, you know, a big thing like, it, you know, for Infinity War, it's also the Russo brothers' audition piece to do. To do Civil, Civil War, War, yeah, uh, to do Infinity, Infinity War. War. Oh, no, I agree. I think that's a great call. I, I actually, like, and in, in looking at it, the the one where I think you could stumble, and I and it's it's a weird stumble, but it it all depends on where they're headed with it. Doctor Strange is, I think, is a hard sell. I, I I will always think it's a hard sell, and I will I will go into the movie clamoring about how great it's going to be, and still say it's a hard sell because my wife looked at the trailer and just went, uh, no, I don't know, and you know they're going to and. That's fine, but I, I, I think I was saying that um, Ant-Man was a hard sell as well. Uh, oh, that's interesting. At okay. This point, at, at this point, I think that Marvel flag goes a long, long way. <laughs> and that's... that's, that's they, earned, they, earned, they earned that street cred. That's, you know, that's very the true. Galaxy was going to be a hard sell, and I thought the first Thor movie was going to be a hard sell. Uh, can, I, can, can we talk a minute about Thor? I, I'm just going to throw it out there, because we're doing a Marvel Cinematic Show. That Thor movie, I got to tell you, it, if it had Kate Hudson in it, it'd be the single greatest romantic comedy ever made. A fish out of water, God falls from Asgard, he breaks coffee cups, can't find his hammer. It's it is the single greatest romantic comedy ever, and I know folks give it a hard time, and and it. I, but I, I look at that movie, and I, I, I came out of that movie with a, just a smile on my face because I thought he embodied the character so well, and then it was such a weird uh -huh. fish-out-of-water romantic comedy thing where it's like, she's a wacky scientist. He's a god from Asgard. You know, like, it just... Well, Rich, she's Rich got her wacky friend. <laughs> well, Rich touched upon it earlier, and, I, and I've, I've been preaching the same thing for the last couple of years. I mean... The best Marvel movies, or even the best superhero movies, are the ones that dip their toes into another genre. And, you know, Thor, the first Thor movie, I mean, yeah, it was pretty heavy in fantasy, but it was also one half of a romantic comedy, and that's what makes these movies work so well. Well, yeah, and they, they have a, they, again, there's a craft to them, and every once in a while, you know, I, I think they're behind the scenes going, you think we can do this? I think we can do this. Maybe we can, we should try it. It'll work. And then, you know, the, uh, out comes Guardians of the Galaxy, or out comes Ant-Man, and all of a sudden you look up and you're like, holy shit, there's a talking raccoon, and the movie's going to make, nine, again, $900 million. Uh, you know, and Ant-Man, Ant-Man was one of the more pleasant surprises. I, 
I was toying, uh, you know, when we were, I, we had come up with the concept for the show, and I, I emailed you guys. I'd said my top five, and I was trying to narrow it down because you can. There are definitely good, you know, top five movies in the Marvel universe where you go, "Oh my god!" I, I'm not going to lie to you. Ant Man made my list just because I I had such a blast at that movie, even because I wasn't expecting it. Wasn't expecting it to be great, not just good, great. And it's funny, and it's got. Well, yeah, it wasn't easy literally to whisk down to five, so I'll, I'll admit that. <laughs> five was tough. Well, let me ask, let me ask you this. Uh, were, you, were you not expecting it to be great because of all the publicity around Edgar Wright's departure from the project? No, no. I, I think it was more along the lines of... I, I it, was that, it was that stick-in-the-mud, non-comic book fan person inside of me that went... How are you going to make Ant-Man exciting, right? How are you, like, yeah, he can do all those things, and he can shrink down, and he has an army of ants, and, uh, you know, we, you've, you've groomed us on Captain America, the Hulk, Iron Man, you know what I mean? Those are our, those are our big touchstone, and, and Thor, and now we're going to have, we're, we're going to have one that's, he's a fuck-up, <laughs> and he's, you know, and he's, he's a bumbling kind of thief, and, and Michael Douglas got cast, and I was like, wow, he's... Michael Douglas is really old. I'm concerned. Like, I have no idea where this is going. And then, you know, if you if you are a comic book nerd, you know that, you know, Hank Pym is, is very important. And then Michael Douglas gets cast, and you go, holy shit, what, where are they going with this? And then it just kind of like... And then you go to the movie, and it's and it's warm and engaging, and, and Rudd is so great with the little girl in the movie, and so great with his daughter in the movie... And there's a great chemistry between him and Evangeline Lilly. And and all of a sudden you jump up and you go, I don't really care that it's, you know, it's it's a Marvel movie, but it's a Marvel movie in, like, name only. It's, it's this great comedic heist film with a giant tank keychain. You know what I mean? Like, it, it's amazing to me. You know? Um, the negative the negative press, that that is one area I do want to talk about. Because you brought up the Edgar Wright thing, and I think this is an interesting area. This is a place where it could it could falter. Because um, one of the things that we have seen with the Marvel right now, although the Russos are, in my mind, they're batting gold right now. They're, you know, Winter Soldier is, you want to run on that street cred, you go with that. And if Civil War knocks it out of the park, they're, they're you know, the directors of Marvel films for me. But there is a point where Marvel needs so much control of their franchise. Do they, uh-huh. do they push away people like Edgar Wright? Do they push away people like Joss Whedon? Although Joss is not necessarily a control issue, I think. Josh, to me, is a... I'm burnt out. <laughs> I need... I need time... I need time away for a couple... I need I need some time away. Because these movies are so hard to shoot. You know what I mean? What do you guys think of that? Yeah. Do, do we push away the big screen directors? And do we... Well, I think these... Well, I think these directors, I think it's... I think the Edgar Wright case proved that it's going to be... You either, you either play ball or uh, well, you're off the team. It's really that simple. I mean, if the director wants to fight the studio, maybe they'll be maybe they'll be kept around. But we've seen how that turned out in the past. We saw what happened with the Fantastic Four movie last year, and I think uh, the Batman vs Superman movie kind of had kind of had the same problem. Oh my God! You you that, brought up on our Marvel show. You brought up two of the movie. two of the scariest things ever, Alan. That was a movie that showed me that the director and the studio were not. Really on the same page, 
So well, I, mean, I just think it's a case of playing ball or not. Well, and I, and I think the right stuff, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, Rich, the right stuff was all about he didn't want to incorporate other pieces that they needed, like little building block pieces he needed, that they needed. And he he kind of didn't want to incorporate them, and that's where it kind of led to the rift. And, you know... That, I don't think he wanted to have a romantic subplot in it uh, so much as Marvel pushed for. Um, I, I, I'm praying at some point... Uh, we find out. The many drafts that uh, Wright wrote with uh, Joe Cornish kind of makes it out into the wild because I'd be really interested in reading you know, the, you know what they had more in mind. Um, I mean, I understand that some of the visual stuff that we saw in the movie was actually started from previous uh, things that Wright was developing. If you remember that um, special effects uh, teaser reel that they showed at Comic-Con. Yeah, the, the fight, the fight sequence. It's a little bit similar yeah. to the Deadpool stuff. Yeah, that was when Wright was still on the project, and we still saw that pretty much beat for beat in the final film. So uh, I, I have a feeling that Wright's fingerprints are all over the movie, but some of them are a little fudged now. Yeah, and well, no, and I think the play ball aspect is kind of real. Like, look, we we you know we find you to be a competent director. We're going to give you a franchise. We're going to give you you know a big movie. Um, like somebody like James Gunn, who who has made a bunch of littler movies that are great movies, by the way. Mm -hmm. If you're listening to the podcast and you haven't seen Slither or some of James Gunn's other movies, and you're a Guardians fan, Slither's fantastic. And by the way, just so we're clear. The aliens are in the collector's room in Guardians of the Galaxy from Slither. Um, oh yeah, it's, it's a great, it's a great little chamber. It's right there. The little slug guys, amazing. Um, <laughs> but if you haven't seen Slither, you should. Uh, but I think James Gunn and the Russos, I think, are these new, this new brand where a new brand of filmmakers where they're kind of going, oh, we can play ball, and then we'll make our own stuff over here. But we can, we can definitely play ball with Marvel because who doesn't want to play ball with Marvel? Like, you sit back and you go, hey, you know what I really want to do? I want to make a, a billion kajillion dollars. I want to work with the best stars going in Hollywood right now. Right? And you look up and and everything's right in front of you. I, I don't under... You know, like, Whedon, I, again, I, the Whedon and Edgar Wright stories are the... You know, they're kind of like the, the antithesis of what's been going on at Marvel, you know? Um, but I think Whedon is more burnt out. For my taste, but I, I would say like for Ragnarok when was Patty, Patty Jenkins was originally on that before um, uh, she dropped out very early in the process though, um, and it's just the nature of these kind of movies where you you can't be um, an auteur coming in and saying I want to make this movie and not realize that now you're kind of in service to you know a larger thing and. Your movie will be, you know, as individualistic as it brings to people as what we hope you are going to bring to to it. But at the same time, you also have to, you know, kind of have a little bit of be able to give and take a little bit in order to um, service the overall larger picture. Oh no, I know. I, uh, yeah, and what you're and, and, your and I think there's a little bit of a Disney influence behind that too. Because if you look at what they're doing with uh, Star Wars from here on out, now that Abrams is pretty much done directing the movies, it's, it's 
pretty much the same thing. I mean, these directors are not, you know, none of them are uh, a Terrence Malick or uh, they're not They're just working, they're just working it. You know, they're there to get, they're there to get the job done. Well, actually, I, I'm, you know what, speaking quickly about Star Wars, Ryan Johnson is one of the most gifted young filmmakers going. So him directing Episode Eight, I mean, Ryan Johnson of Looper and of Brick, and he is a great young director. So the idea that he's getting, and he's also directed, uh, for any Breaking Bad fans, he's directed some of the biggest and best episodes of Breaking Bad. If you go back and look, um, working with Vince Gilligan. So he's learned a guerrilla style that focuses very heavy on story. But yeah, I think Ryan Johnson's a, you know one of the young filmmakers that, that jumps up for the chance. Um, and then... And I agree. I don't think you. I think you need to play ball a little bit. Just hey, we're building something really big here and huge. If you could play along, it'd be great. Uh, come join our sandbox. <laughs> um, let's talk about Phase Three, where we're headed. Because um, you know, obviously, we have Civil War this week. Uh, the podcast will be dropping um, Thursday or Friday, so it'll be out there in the world uh, either before or after you see Civil War. So, um, Phase Three starts with Civil War. Phase three continues in November with Doctor Strange, um, Benedict Cumberbatch, again per, perfect casting. Um, kind of hard to say without you know seeing anything beyond you know what we saw in that two minute trailer. Um, I think it's the scariest like Marvel movie. He looks good. I think I think he looks good. I, I think it's the scariest Marvel movie because I, I think um, I think people are okay with sci-fi. People are okay with uh, heist films, uh, mysticism films. Like I, I, it has a Matrix kind of feel to it a little bit in the trailer. You know what I mean? So I don't know where they're headed there, but that's November. Then you know this phase is also going to be one of the longest phases that they've ever done. Um, phase three is going to span. Almost two and a half years. Yeah, so, 11, 11 movies. Yeah, this is a big phase. So, Doctor Strange, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 in May of 2017. I don't know that you could get... Uh, the funny thing there is, the first movie did so well, and now this movie's going to come out, and the movie's a sequel, so it's it's going to have a built-in audience. And now, I don't know that you could go wrong. Like, I think that's going to be one of their biggest movies in this phase, to be honest, because people just want to get back to... That group of people, that group of characters, uh, they were so much fun to deal right. with the first time, you know. Um, they moved up the, they moved up Guardians in the schedule too. Well, yeah, because uh, I, because I, uh, I don't think they're afraid of anything anymore. They're not afraid. They're just like, we're going to move it. We can move it up. We want to get out there. Um, and then Spider Man comes home, so we have Spider Man Homecoming, um, which is again a great storyline in the comics, um, but it's also his homecoming to Marvel. So it'll be the first produced for for Sony by Marvel uh, Spider-Man movie, and there's all kinds of great rumors about that that kerfluffle of a movie. Uh, you know, Michael Keaton. What's, what's exciting is, as opposed to the previous uh, uh, ones that Sony has Spider-Man films that Sony has produced um, in conjunction with Marvel, this time Marvel is following the creative shot instead of Sony. Yeah. Um, yeah, and you got to be excited on, about it. Actually, I'm working on a I'm working on a piece, so I'm going to pimp this here for a moment. Pimp uh, away, baby, pimp for away. This, for this coming weekend, on Sony's deal, original deal with Marvel, um, some of those documents have kind of 
gotten out to the wild after the uh, the hack two years ago. You're um, you're and amazing at digging this stuff up on Film Buff Online, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> A shameless well, plug. Shameless plug. Discussing all of this there, showing like the details of what Marvel could, I mean, what Sony could and couldn't do with the Spider-Man movie. Uh, in fact, there's some very rigid things that they couldn't go out in terms of presentation of the character. Uh, it's amazing when you look at the list of characters and villains and secondary characters and characters who appeared in just one issue that Sony owns the rights to. Yeah, well, um, that, that, that's... I mean, if, if you remember such, like, really oddball 70s villains like the Hypno-Hustler, that sounds like your villain, Rich Trees. I could easily see you being a total hypno-hustler villain person. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I think Spider-Man's Spider you know, the, the, the wild card, but it's also, I'm, I'm hearing nothing but great things about the kid. I hear he gets a lot of screen time. Um, but that mm -hmm. bringing that back to the fold is huge. That happens July of no, next year. As long as I don't have to sit through another Spider-Man uh, origin story. Because I think I've seen it one too many times. Like, here comes, here comes Whitney Peter Parker, and here comes Flash Thompson, and here comes Spider, and here comes the scene on the basketball court where Peter embarrasses everybody. Yeah. So I think I could. I, I could live without know, that. No, I think. I really the, don't know if there's a way around that to reintroducing a, a new Spider-Man to everybody. Well, I think I think uh, the way around it is Civil War. I think they're going to get around it by. Just being, yeah, this cat's been hanging out, and he's already established in New York, and he was part of, like, I think we're going to get weird stuff, like, that he's part of, the, like, fighting Chitari and stuff on Friday. You know what I mean? Like, I think we're going to get at least one sequence of him, like, webbing up some Chitari somewhere. Um, I don't know if they're going to flash back to that, but I think um, in terms of, like, how they present Spider-Man's origin, everybody pretty much knows it. I think they can shorthand it with, like, maybe... Uh, Know, like a quick minute and then a half flashback. Oh, like an like an eighties Rocky montage. Batman films have shorthanded Batman's origin. Yeah, like like a like an eighties montage, uh, like a, a Rocky Probably. montage. Maybe maybe we can do that. <laughs> um, but see, I mean that's that's a big huge thing to do. Um, you know that he's coming. Then November, I'm just gonna go really really quickly through Thor Ragnarok, which is uh, theoretically the end of the Thor universe. Um, Black Panther gets his own movie in February 2018, then the first Infinity War Part 1 May 2018, Ant-Man and the Wasp July 2018, which is the added one, um, Captain Marvel March 2019, and then Avengers Infinity War May 2019. So, it is a, it is a, a staggering, incredibly, um, ambitious, yes, that's the word, it's a staggering, ambitious phase right now that we're in. Because we're establishing a bunch of, like, you know, if they can get Captain Marvel, Black Panther, and Doctor Strange off the ground, all while really reacquiring Spider-Man, they've, they've already done Marvel. Like, I'm, I'm still waiting. I mean, Rich, maybe something that would be on Film Buff Online, or um, have, they, have they had talks with Fox about getting, uh, freeing Reed Richards and... <laughs> And the rest of the Fantastic Four, because I I can't imagine that Marvel is happy about the way they've been treated. I have seen no solid reporting on such a thing. Every now and then, um, you know, some site will go, "Gee, wouldn't it be swell if?" And that becomes like a 
Fox, I would be talking to Marvel and trying to reach a similar deal that Sony reached. If you were in charge uh, of Fox, you'd have a billion dollars and you wouldn't give a shit about Marvel. Or comic book true. movies, or if you were Tom Rothman at the time when he was making, you know, silly silly kids movies is what he called them. Um, so, yeah, I mean... Well, well truth be told, uh, Fantastic Four needs Marvel more than Marvel needs Fantastic Four right now. That's actually true. With the, with the amount of movies that they have coming in the next three years, do they really need the Fantastic Four? I, yeah. I, really, I really don't think so. I think they're fine without them. Oh, no, I, 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 I think if that's Fox an interesting turns, point. If, if Fox turned to uh, Marvel and said, hey, uh, we're, ready to, you know, we're ready to do a co-production on a Fantastic Four movie, unless Marvel decided to move everything around, we wouldn't see that movie, that Fantastic Four movie until about 2021. Oh, that's an interesting point, because they, they do have a lot of oars in the water right now. So I... The interesting thing there is you can always speculate on what they could do and how they could, you know, how it could change. And um, but the other side of it is, I think it got a little bit more uh, trepidatious between them and Fox, Marvel and Fox. I'm, I'm saying, you know, because basically in the comic book world, and I know Rich, you work at you work at a comic book shop, so you know this. They've kind of squeezed the balls of of the entities that Fox owns. You know, Fantastic Four doesn't have a book anymore. The X Men books have been cut down incredibly and they've also you know started drifting everybody towards being inhuman as opposed to being mutants you know what i mean so they've done a lot of work in the background to to realizing they can't make a deal with fox it'd be hard to get that that ground you know reestablished again or to the point where it's a a conducive relationship but okay the time has come gentlemen um, oh go ahead what well, i do want to i do want to say one thing though Dad. Um, you know, because you, met, you mentioned Tom Rothman and his very, very uh, uh, large amount of meddling he did with, like, the Fantastic Four film. Um, and yet, he is now the person in charge at Sony, and he's giving Marvel free reign and basically keeping his hands off, which I find amazing that I... Um, a studio executive learned from the mistakes of their past. Yeah, never, never forget, never forget how much absolute failure can can make you a better person, Rich. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like and, and, falling and on your Tom face Rothman helps you get up. Throwing a, it was Tom Rothman who threw a Tom Rothman who threw a fit about Brian Singer wanting to go and do Superman Returns before coming back to do X three, X Men three. So that's why he fired uh, Brian Singer off of it. Off the X Men franchise, and ultimately brought in Brett Ratner, who is just a horrible director. I just want to point out, I've, I've invited you both on my show, and you've brought up Fantastic Four, Batman vs Superman, and Brett Ratner. I don't know that you guys can come on again. I'm, I'm going to be honest. You've, you've invoked in a whole. I didn't mean to crap all over your rug like that, man. <laughs> you've invoked. It's a, it's a lovely rug. It ties the whole room together. Um, you've invoked, you invoked unholy names. Uh, and uh, what are you guys doing? Um, but no, okay. The time has come. We are we are huge Marvel fans, all of us. I, I know we love doing it. Um, the show is just cruising by. We're like, it's amazing how how easy it is for the three of us to talk about movies and especially about Marvel movies. Um, you got a top five. What are what are your top fives? We'll do fives first. We'll go five count count them down. Five, four, three, two, one. You give a reason why you okay. kind of like it. And we'll go from there. Um, and then if, if we, and, and this is something we talked about, 
uh, beforehand, uh, spoiler alert for podcast folks listening, um, basically we had an idea about doing the bottom three, and Alan, in his infinite wisdom, pointed out to me that even the bottom three Marvel movies are better than most movies we see, which is true. So because it's my show and because I have smart people on like Alan, I'm going to go, we don't need to do a bottom three. So we're going to do the top five. Uh, we'll start with five. May I just say, though, that uh, my bottom three would have been Thor Ragnarok, Thor Ragnarok, and Thor Ragnarok. <laughs> That's not even fair. It's not even... <laughs> It's you're way too early in you're way too early in the phase, Rich. And you, and you brought out the rat. Oh. <laughs> Alan, Alan, you're gonna go first here. Alan, you're first okay. on deck with five. What's your five? Number five. Uh, my number five. I know this will possibly be a uh, unpopular choice, but my number five Marvel movie would be Thor Ragnarok. Oh, excuse me, uh, Thor the Dark. <laughs> Thor the Dark World. That's an interesting choice. That... I meant Thor the Dark World. <laughs> please please okay. tell me where that was good. I'm sorry. <laughs> but I'm, choosing, I'm choosing Thor the Dark World because, first of all, as we have already established earlier, that uh, Marvel has been very successful in dipping their toes into another genre of film. Iron Man was a techno thriller. Captain America was a war movie. The Dark World was a mashup of science fiction and fantasy. I mean, you had, you had battle scenes with creatures, um, you know, wielding swords and clubs that would have been right out of the Lord of the Rings. I believe, I believe this is, yes, this, this is from your love of Lord of the Rings. Two scenes later, you had space travel and soldiers firing laser guns like any other, any other Star Wars movie, so it was just a great... I, I would admit I will admit to you, Alan, Alan, that's a great choice only because it's it's so very crow like and it's and it's in in its nature. Um Crawl, by the way, again, people listening to the podcast, if you haven't seen Crawl, you need to see Crawl. I, I, I caught it at three in the morning, two like almost a month ago, and I'm still putting pictures up from it. I, I can't get enough. Um okay, so Thor Dark World is your five. Dark World it has it's very much it's high energy. It's got great pacing to it. Ryan Tyler did a, uh, a great musical score for it. And as far as the way it fits into the entire Marvel Cinematic Universe, there's a lot of key events that happen in there. I would... The introduction of the new, another Infinity Stone. You have the death of Frigga. You had Thor giving up his right to the throne. And then the movie ended with Opie sitting on the throne. I mean, you talk about a, a cliffhanger. <laughs> yeah, the, we we don't know where that's going. That's I'll, I'll be honest. That's a great that's a great unheralded choice. I think it's a, I think again the Thor the first Thor movie and I think Thor Dark World, they're kind of the redheaded stepchildren. They're underrated, but I understand what Rich is saying too that Dark World for a lot of folks is tough. But I you know what you back it up. You come on my show. You back it up. I I respect that. Rich, what do you got? Uh, first of all, Alan, I'll give you everything that you mentioned positive about Dark World, and I'll also raise you with. The Celestials. We get to see the Celestials. Uh, uh, kind of an interesting concept from the 60s and 70s that started in the old Thor comics that I always really liked reading as a kid and growing up and when I was able to afford to get more of those back issues and stuff and found them just a fantastic, interesting uh, creation and an interesting part of the Marvel Universe in general. Okay, that's... Uh, wow. They, they, awesome. What do you got, Rich? Okay, my number five is Iron Man. It's it's the film that started it all, and everybody looks to it as the cornerstone. Uh, granted, the, 
the story is kind of basic in terms of, you know, an origin story. But it's so elevated by not only um, Robert Downey Jr.'s um, performance, but by the chemistry he has with uh, his cast, the chemistry between Tony and Pepper, Tony and Happy. Uh, it's so fun. You just kind of want to hang out with them. It's a, it's a sublime chemistry. The fact that they're superheroes. Right, it's you a sublime it's a sublime chemistry that's like a like a, a 1930s movie and it's it's higher on my list exactly. i'm gonna be honest it's higher that's higher on my list that's in the top three for me so we can talk about iron yeah. man really quick it is the cornerstone i rewatched it again it is still a good movie it's got a lot of action it's extremely well done um and robert downey jr the moment he steps on screen is tony stark it, it, it never uh-huh. never falters um the Gwyneth Paltrow is probably it's probably my favorite Gwyneth Paltrow performance just because she has that great moment where she's like uh, oh all these years and you're still you're still doing doing the laundry no and occasionally taking out the trash you know like it is it's it's a great line and the movie works it's exceptionally well done although I would say that it falls it does fall into the one category that we didn't talk about with regards to shortcomings the villains the villains of Marvel pieces they never really jump off screen and uh, whether it's because of how they were written in the past, you know, Obadiah Stane isn't, you know, isn't the greatest of villains, but it's, it's high on my list. It's my number three. So I, am going to go there. My number five, I'm going to tell you right now, Ant-Man is a joy to behold. And (laughs) Ant-Man upon rewatch it, it's extremely rewatchable. It's incredibly well done. Um, and it makes me want want to work for Baskin Robbins. So I'm I love I love it. Also, uh, the the concept of having Thomas the Tank Engine or a giant tank or any of the any of the cool really great edgy things they do with the miniaturization effects is uh, sublime. And Paul Rudd's really well cast. I love the goofy energy he brings to it. Um, I, I love Evangeline Lilly. I will love Evangeline Lilly until I die. Let's be honest. And um, you know, the fact she's going to be a wasp is one of the greatest things ever. But that's where I'm at there. Um, so that's my number five. Alan, what do you got for four? Well, my, my number four is Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh. Okay. Awesome. Um, you know, the first thing about Guardians that really left out at me is, you know, in the last 40 years, Star Wars and Star Trek have kind of held a monopoly on space adventures in the movies. I mean, if you want to see a space adventure at the movies, it was pretty much those two franchises and not much else. So I, you got to love that Marvel kind of broke that, that barrier and gave us a, their first cosmic adventure. Um, you know, it's a movie that's a lot of fun. It's totally tongue-in-cheek and it knows it. It doesn't shy away from it. The movie is absolutely nuts and it knows it. It doesn't shy away from that either. Um, it's funny, it's hilarious, the, the characters are the type of characters that you want to hang out with, you know, between Star Wars, the Star Wars and Rocket and Groot and Drax and especially Gamora, you know, these are people that you want to spend time with and it, it still has despite all the uh, CGI spectacle, it still has a lot of heart to it. And that's, they somehow made a talking, a talking raccoon believable. Yeah, you know what, that's that's amazing. It's uh, you know what? It's higher for me. I actually have that one higher too. 
So I don't. I, I don't. I, our, our top ones are going to be a little bit different. I have. I have Guardians as my second favorite Marvel movie, only because. Hey, spoilers. I'm. Well, I'm just. Hey, it's. Uh, but you guys are bringing up stuff that I'm talking about. So anyway, but okay. So Guardians is four for you. What do you got it for, Rich? I also have Guardians at number four. Wow. Uh, I, I flabbergasted in a way that a guy who used to work for Trauma has made one of Marvel's biggest films. It's also one of the films that, you know, on the surface, people would say, oh, it's probably the, the most disposable of things, too, because it doesn't really touch outside of just a little bit on the um, you know, on the overall story arc of everything going back, you know, going on back at birth. But you still, people still came out to see it, more so than they came out to see some of the other Phase 2 films. No, I agree, and and I think it touches a lot more than I, I you know, I don't know how, I, we know how big Thanos is going to be, obviously, but, yeah, I, I agree with you to wholeheartedly that it's it touches, it brings a different element to it, and one of the things that, that really succeeds for me is that it's, it is just a goofy adventure. The moment that that soundtrack kicks, it is one of the greatest, it's the greatest compliment I can pay Guardians of the Galaxy, and the reason I have it so high the soundtrack and the soundtrack being um, incorporated into the film has now become a standard for blockbusters. And if you can do that, if you can do, like, I'll give you a perfect example, and, and I know I've talked to you both about this, Rich, and I know I've talked to you, Alan, about this, where we've fluttered back and forth. The Suicide Squad trailer is all of what it is because of the music. And... <laughs> And whether you know you want to look at it one way or another, James Gunn is responsible for that. So, mm-hmm. you know what I mean. I, I would say Guardians has the best use of uh, '70s pop music in a film um, that hasn't been directed by Quentin Tarantino. That's a good call. That's a that's a yeah. really good call. Yeah. That's definitely um, okay. So my number four, I have I have the Avengers at four. Um. Only because it, it, I, I have it at four. I have it low because I actually one of the things I found most intriguing about my rewatches this week is that I'm much more drawn to the the smaller stories, and I think what Marvel gets so right about the smaller stories is much better than the bigger stories. The Avengers, however, is is mind blowing cinema. It is off the wall. It is this generation Star Wars. It is. Everything that you'd want in a blockbuster with, you know, tongue-in-cheek humor, uh, incredible, you know, character moments, uh, mind-numbing action, just stuff we have never seen, and it's just, it, it's it's easily one of, one of my favorite things, piecing everything together, and just having, you know, incredible moments where, like, we're going to do all this stuff, and we're going to have all these big things on screen, and we're going to show them all to you, it's all going to be right in front of you. Um, I have it lower only because... I've become enamored with stuff like Guardians and st- and like um, the other two that are on my list that are higher, because um, are, they're more personal stories. So, okay, so that's my that's my four. What do you got at three? What's three for you, Alan? My number three is Iron Man. Um, I don't want to spend too much time uh, on it because I think we we've covered a lot of Iron Man already uh, from you know the movie that started it all. It got Robert Downey Jr. resurrected. It, uh, the casting was fantastic. Like I said earlier, it read like the lineup at the Oscars with Bridges and Howard and Paltrow. I agree. Um, 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Yeah,
I will have a whole other uh, discussion about what a horrible year this has been for uh, celebrities. For I agree. Yeah. Wow. That's a whole other show. Jesus, it's been terrible. Okay, yeah. so you had you had you had Winter Soldier at 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 three. At three. Um, yep. I had Iron Man at three, so we're gonna move right on to two. Two. What do you got at two, Alan? Uh, my number two is the Avengers. The Avengers. Okay. Uh, I think it it deserves major credit. I think for being so well balanced, despite having so many so many characters um, to get into. Uh, I said it four years ago, and I'll say it again. This is that Avengers movie is like the Magnificent Seven of of this generation. That's that's a great uh, that's a great tie-in, especially when we have a Magnificent Seven remake coming out. But everybody who's listening yeah. to this podcast, with the people that are on this podcast, I'm going to tell you right now: you can see the Magnificent Seven remake, but you really need to see the original Magnificent Seven. It sh- it should be as part of your guy code growing up. You should have to watch the Magnificent Seven because Yul Brenner and, and Kira version. Well, uh, stop it. Don't, I love Kurosawa too, but you know what I'm talking about. Uh, Yul Brenner and, and Steve McQueen stand the test of time, I tell you. Okay, but um, okay, so yeah. Any, anyways, anyways, uh, my bottom line on Avengers is it really embraces everything that's great about comic book movies. Uh, Josh Whedon, he knew exactly what comic book fans wanted to see, and he gave it to them. But it still worked for people who never once stepped foot inside a comic shop. No, that's true, and that's that's a great point. Um, it is, it is a highlight movie. It is one of those movies where you can just show it to anybody, and they they can they can be engrossed by it. What do you have at two, Rich? I also have a, the, the first Avengers film at number two. I feel bad now. I have Avengers. Uh, I have Avengers really low, but I again I went more, I went more obscure. I think, but okay. You you should feel bad about this, but um, oh, I I think <laughs> that hurts. Think, uh, Cut me deep, Shrek. do come together in the Battle of New York, it it is one of the great action sequences with the, all the, you know, the different disparaging elements going, fighting across the different planes, you know, Hulk and, you know, Hulk and Thor working together and quite possibly the best Marvel cinematic moment of all, you know, um, the, the romantic comedy that is when Loki met Hulk. Um, doesn't, I don't know that it gets any better than, than that with regards to, uh, uh, an amazing movie. I had Guardians 2, um, just because I love Guardians, and I think Guardians, um, it's so watchable. I can just, I can pop it on in the background and just, 
you know, drift in and out of it, and it's just an amazing film for me. Um, okay. What is your number one all-time favorite film, Mr. Mr. Allen? What do you got? My all-time favorite film in the Marvel Cinematic Universe is Captain America, The Winter Soldier. Cool. Yeah. Um, we talked, we talked a lot, about, you know, I thought a lot about this, you know, over the last uh, couple of days, and, uh, you know, we talked a lot about already how the Marvel movies crossed over into other sub-genres. And, you know, The Winter Soldier, it dips its toes into the 70s political thrillers, but it's also a very good espionage film. And the, the true definition of espionage is spying to obtain political or military information, and in broad strokes, that's really what's going on in The Winter Soldier. But at the same time, no matter how big that landscape is, it, it, it doesn't vary... Cap's story of him trying to find his place in the world and his eventual need to uh, to save his best friend. Um, you know, I've been watching the Marvel movies uh, in order over the last um, five or six weeks, getting ready for Civil War. And when I revisited Winter Soldier uh, just last weekend, I, I, I was actually surprised as how caught up I, I, I got into the story, despite having seen it many, many times before. I was really, really hooked on it. Um, it I think the story just works on every level. It's, uh, you know, I've often, I've often said there's a difference between a movie and a film, and I think Winter Soldier is a real, genuine film. That's a good call. Uh, what, do you, what do you got one, uh, Rich? Uh, I've got Captain America, the first Avenger. Interesting uh, choice. Think, That's an interesting choice. I, I think it's a, it's a great World War II adventure film. It kind of has a pulp feel to it, which appeals to me because I'm also you know, a big pulp novel fan of you know, the other 30s and 40s. The Dark Savages, The Shadow, things like that. Um, you know, the director is the same guy who directed Rocketeer, also set in roughly that same era and had that same sense of fun, high adventure. Um, I absolutely did not like Chris Evans in uh, the Fantastic Four movies, but I absolutely think he's perfect here at it. As, 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 Ca as Captain America, yeah. Um, yeah, and, first of all... It's something he's carried through, you know, all of, all of his film appearances, and, you know, that he's a good guy with a moral compass, and... You know, I, you know, we're wanted to explore the virgins of Marvel here tonight, but he, he's doing—he's doing the ideal that we should be seeing in Superman as well, far better than what's going on over with uh, uh, DC's comics. <laughs> well, that's that's the, right. That's the funny thing about the whole kerfluffle with trying to get Batman and Superman right—is that they complain, "Oh, well, I'm trying to change the character that you grew up with." Part of the the charm and appeal of these characters is that they stand the test of time and they, they people just want to see the representations of their character. My number one favorite Marvel movie is, is uh, Captain. Oh, okay. I just had one other note though, really quick. Sure. Um, the last moment after all that time fought for and championed and survived that very last moment in the film is such an emotional gut punch of you did it all and you still don't get the girl. You still don't get that happy ending. It, it kind of sums up that whole. Oh, and it's and it, and actually and actually it sets up his character perfectly. The paranoia, the paranoia of being 
uh, completely out of time and out of place um, is what I think makes the character so intriguing to me. And that is why, folks, my favorite Marvel movie is Captain America the Winter Soldier. I, I've fallen in love with it. I've fallen hard in love with it. I, I can explain it to you. In, in, like, it is just one of those movies that when you watch it, like I am incredibly amazed at how well Chris Evans has become Captain America. And everything he stands for. I, and the thing about Winter Soldier that makes it so interesting, it's got the political thriller side. We've talked about that. It's got, you know, Redford. It's got all this gravitas. It's got all this wonderful things. It's got an amazing chemistry-building performance between him and Scarlett Johansson um, that really is beyond words. And it also has the moments with, with the Falcon where you're moving in and you have this great stuff going. Um, I love the list. I love that he has a list of things that he needs to learn to make it in this world. Um, I love that Star Wars is on that list. Um, but I also love a lot about it in the sense that it, it is a completely paranoid, schizophrenic take, fish out of water, crazy, amazing amalgam of a comic book movie that has a character that has become a supercomputer. It is so beyond being a comic book movie. But that moment, it's a comic book movie and a techno thriller, but it's, it's, it's so comic book movie. And the fact that they were able to pull something like that off is, is incredible to me. And actually, the funny thing about it is, as we talk here, all of us, the Captain America movie, uh, you know, Rich having Captain America, the first Avenger, both you and I having Captain America, the Winter Soldier, as the first, as our first movie. Uh, and, and all the talk of, you know, Tony Stark being the embodiment of the Marvel Universe and, and Robert Downey Jr. bringing that, I'm going to give a lot of credit right now to Chris Evans. Chris Evans has donned the, the, what I would, you know, at this point with how cynical and ridiculous we are as a nation, has donned the, the star-spangled hero and has just worn it with such perfection and such eloquence and such a morality that, and in trying to explain it to people, and, and one of the things that I was, uh, you know, I'd be uh, remiss not to bring up, and again, you brought it up a little bit, Rich, how can they get it so right with, with Captain America, and how can DC with get it so wrong with Superman when it's essentially similar character? Like, they're very similar in what they should be. That they're, they, they, they're, they're what we embody. They're what we should achieve and strive to be. You know what I mean? And I, I, I've fallen in love with Winter Soldier, so... Before we get too far down the, uh, down the Superman road, um, I, I think a lot of people get easily distracted by Robert Downey Jr. and how much of himself he's put into uh, Iron Man. And everyone kind of thinks right away that the entire Marvel Cinematic Universe is revolving around him. But if you really think about it, it's not. It really is revolving around Steve Rogers. It's revolving around Captain America. Even in way back in the early days of Phase 1, First Avenger, which is the first Captain America movie, was the first Marvel movie where you, where you finally started to see all the pieces coming together and how they connect. Because that movie had references of Thor's universe with the Tesseract and the, you know, the mentions of Odin. And it, had, it referenced Iron Man's universe by having Howard Stark. Right, and a little bit of the mysticism, too. Yeah, no, no, and and that's true. I think that's a funny that's a funny issue that I, I that is well that's you know going to be taken into account this week because everybody is 
everybody's got to pick an allegiance, right? You're going into this on on Thursday or Friday this week or this weekend, whenever you see it, you're picking an allegiance, right? And I'm clearly team cap. Are you guys both team cap as well? Or are you, is there, is there a hint of, of Iron Man somewhere? Alan, oh, Alan. I, only because I'm such a, only because I'm such a non-conformist, I'll probably lean towards uh, Team Iron Man. But uh, I, I, I tell you what, I really don't like the approach of racing fans choose. Uh, no, no. And I think I think that kind of worked against uh, Batman versus Superman. Oh no, no, I, I agree. I but I think the funny thing here is the. <laughs> I think what they were going for, and I think what they're going to succeed, and I think, you know, and I'm, I'm giving a little bit of um, a hint of where I think the movie is going. I think it's going to be very much, uh, we're going to be there, and we're going to be either Team Cap or Team Iron Man, and people are going to be chippy going in or whatever, and playful going in. But I think at the end, we're both, we're all going to be sitting there going, stop hitting each other. Your friends, stop. <laughs> You're Avengers. Get control of yourselves. You don't need to do this. Very much, very similar to what was going on in Batman vs. Superman. You know what I mean? I, I didn't want to see them fight at all. Like, I thought it was... But anyway, um, uh, back to ultimately, that. Let... I think I'm on, ultimately, I think I'm on the side of team good movie. <laughs> give it, give us a good movie. I think that's... And, and here's the thing, the, the tie-up with a bow on this one. That's what Marvel Cinematic Universe has come to uh, be the standard of. They, they're quality films that you can enjoy with people of all ages. And I, I think that puts a perfect bow. I'm team. We're not team cap or team iron man. We're team good movie. <laughs> Just give me a good movie with, uh, with heroes doing heroic things. And I think we're, we'll be happy. And uh, for, for the most part, that's what Marvel has done wholeheartedly. You know what I mean? Um, okay. Hey, can I say one, last, sure. can I say one last thing about the Captain America, the first adventure. One of my favorite little touches in that movie is when um, it's when the Red Skull first gets his, his hands on the Tesseract. And he looks at it and he says, and the fewer digs for trinkets in the desert, which is a reference to Raiders of the Lost Ark, which makes it even, even better. And that is... Bigger connected universe. That, that's that, one of my favorite all-time touches. That is a perfect. That is a perfect way to, I think, end it. And I, we were gonna, we we're gonna go into box office stuff, but I think that is a perfect way to end it. Uh, digging for trinkets in the in, sure. the, in the in the sand. Um, gentlemen, let's let's talk. Alan, where can people find you if they want to? They want to read your your your. I, I love your blog, by the way. Real Speak is one of my favorite things to read uh, on the internet. Um, I read it every every time. I put a new one up. So where can people find it? Uh, they can find it at www www.realspeak.blogspot.com and that's real spelled with two E's as in the film reel. Um, I've been running it for about six years now. I write uh, reviews, previews, and do a lot of uh, film history. Yeah, it's good uh, it's, anniversaries it's, of important movies. It's good stuff. And, uh, I, I can't talk enough. This month, I'll be, this month I'll be working on a blog about the 75th anniversary of uh, Citizen Kane. Oh, well, uh, that's that goes without saying. Maybe we'll, we'll have a Citizen Kane show. That's That'd be awesome. We could do that. Um, Rich, where can people find you if, like, you're not hanging out at a comic book shop or doing the Lindy? Filmbuffonline.com. News, reviews, feature pieces. We try to do it all, and we never have enough time to do it all, but we always have at least a few things getting posted just about every day. 
I want to give a big shout out to you about about something that's been stolen by a lot of sites, and I know we've we've talked about it. Um, one of the things that people, if you're listening to this podcast, you can find on FilmBuff Online. Rich uh, was the first person to do a full chronological timeline for the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Um, it was eventually stolen by several sites, um, which I, I'm not a big fan of, of, of his work being stolen, but it is still on your website. They can find it there. You can you know get a link on Facebook or wherever, and it is definitely something that you should check out because Rich put a lot of work into it. I know he hasn't updated it in a while, but that's that's beside the point. Yeah, I, I have a... Uh... There's a version 1 and a version 2.0, um, which pretty much gets us through about halfway through um, Marvel's phase uh, 2. Um, I've intermittently worked on a, on a version 3.0, but it's starting to become very unwieldy when I'm trying to work, you know, if I want to work in um, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and Peggy Carter and the, the Netflix shows and everything. Um, and some of those are really harder to kind of give actual dates and times. Too. We didn't, yeah, well. we didn't even, we didn't even hit on the Netflix stuff, uh, which is beyond words too. But um, okay, so people, get, uh, if you're listening to the podcast, you can find me at JWPA Live Movie Guy, PA Live, PA Movie Guy, Jesus, PA Movie Guy on on Twitter. Um, geez, God, it's old habits die hard. Um, and Florida Movie Guy on Facebook. Um, and well, thank everybody for tuning in. Have a good time at Captain America Civil War. Don't get upset. Try to try to keep it all in, and hopefully things will work out for our heroes. Uh, I want to thank Rich and Alan for uh, for coming on the show. Thank you guys both for coming and talking to me. Oh no, it's going to be and, and we have, it was a pleasure. We could do this all night, and we could probably do it for a ton of other stuff. But we'll talk. Um, but thank you so much, and enjoy the movie, kids. Stay out of trouble, and make sure you get something at the concession stand. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.